This is episode number 132 with our guest, Anna Kelly. My story was basically going from um, going from growing up in Section 8 apartments to being a multifamily millionaire. Um, and so it, he really challenged us to figure out what's made us resilient and yeah. successful and to peel back and go all the way back. And yeah. I really hadn't thought a whole lot about how my childhood affected my grit and determination and my ability to like become successful. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you for tuning in. So good to have you with us today. This episode is at its core, a good old-fashioned success story. My guest is Anna Kelly, and she grew up in Section 8 housing with a single mother who had all the cards stacked against them. Her mom found herself in one abusive relationship after another, and Anna had to witness this all firsthand. You can imagine what that does to you in every way growing up. One of the things that Anna told herself at a young age was, that is not going to be the life for her as an adult. And she made it a point to succeed on every level she can possibly find. And that's exactly what she did. This is a story of grit, of resilience, and of pushing through until you meet your goals at all costs. Get this. It took Anna 16 years to accomplish her goal. Her goal was to be home with her kids, not continue to work, and that's why she created a successful business on the side. She just wanted to create enough cash flow on the side where she can retire on her terms. And 16 years later, she accomplished that. She became a multimillionaire while working another full-time job raising four children. And she was able to retire from her six-figure corporate career at the age of 44. Today, she is the founder of REI Mom, Real Estate Investment Mom. It's a coaching and investing platform and business where she has a speaking and coaching business to boot. Anna Kelly is one driven woman. It was such an honor to sit down with her and just hear the story from where she was, even as a child, from a very young age, and how she crawled and clawed out of that 
at any cost and found the life of her dreams. By the way, as you'll hear, this interview took place during the inaugural PodMax event. It's a full-day event created by On Air Brands for entrepreneurs and business people to get their message out in a big way by being interviewed and sitting down as a guest with some of the biggest podcasts in their industry. If this sounds like something you'd like to do to quickly and efficiently get your own message out to the masses through podcasts, apply to be part of the next PodMax event happening soon by visiting podmax.co. With that, here's my dialogue with Anna Kelly. Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owners, turn your smartphone into a cash register. PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy way to get paid in store, and they deliver the same security and trust PayPal is known for online, in person, even if you're a cash-only business. With PayPal QR codes, you can accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. There's no additional hardware or software needed. Generate your unique QR code from the PayPal app and display it on your device or print it to display in store. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app. You only need your smartphone. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Hey there. Welcome back. So good to have you joining us for another episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show, but you know it's not just that. We are continuing our series live from beautiful Trenton, New Jersey, the Great Garden State, my home state, that I adore and love as part of the PodMax event, the inaugural PodMax event, hosted and created by Eric Cabral and the On Air Brands family. It's amazing. I'm joined live face-to-face right here with Anna Kelly. How's it going, Anna? It's going great. I'm so glad to be here and to be your guest today. Thank you. Are you are you loving this setup? I love it. It's awesome. So many great right. people and podcasters. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's a great experience. So you are you have um a few businesses, uh to put it one way, REI Mom, real estate investor mom, right? Yes, that's right. Which the role of mom obviously is sitting in the name of your business. So that's an important title? It is. Probably my most important title. Tell me about it. So I have four children. They are 8, 10, 13, and 16. And I have worked full-time while building my real estate businesses full-time and working around the clock with my kids full-time and just trying to figure out a way to juggle it all and do it all and do it all well. And you've extremely succeeded. And isn't that the goal for so many of us? Uh, I want to read it one way you put it. You say you became real estate multimillionaire while working full-time and raising four children, started with no time and no money, and persevered to be able to retire from your six-figure corporate career at age 44. 
That's right. This sounds like the dream promise that we all <laughs> see, and we're like, "Yes, I'd like that." And you are living, breathing proof that it's possible. It is. How in the world? <laughs> the hard way. Yeah. You know, I, is it, there it, another way though? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> to create real wealth that lasts, there is no shortcut. It's not an easy button that you can push and make it happen. It's a lot harder than the courses and the infomercials and the HGTV make it sound. Um, but it is all worth every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears it took to get here. How many years, you said? You know, I 16 years ago is when I really decided I wanted to be a stay-home mom when I had my first baby. He just turned 16 uh, two months after I retired. So really, it took me 16 years to be able to be home with my kids. And at this point, I have four instead of one, and they're all in school. So it was a long time. What was the draw? Just the natural draw that you wanted to be home, or was there something deeper? That natural draw to be home. Also, you know, I grew up as a latchkey kid. My mom was a single mom, mm -hmm. and um, I had six siblings. So I watched my siblings overnight and had to really become really responsible at a young age. You're the and oldest? I'm the oldest, okay. yes. And I did not want my children to be latchkey kids and to be raised by someone else. And so it was really important for me to, as driven as I was and as focused as I was on moving up the corporate ladder and being successful in business and, and in finance, once I had that baby, everything else kind of went out the window. Like I wanted the financial freedom. I wanted the wealth and independence one day, but I knew that none of it was as important as being a good mom and being there for my kids. Let's talk about your role as a child slash parent, if I heard all that yes. correctly. I've heard this story before. Um, I'm the youngest of three sons, so I was just I was just ignored. I didn't have <laughs> that scenario growing up. Uh, but um, in your world, so you were put into that role, and I'm sure you embraced it, right? You took on that mommy role. I probably embraced it till my mom had three more kids in three years when I was like eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. Then I became instant babysitter, and it was like, ugh, it's it's much harder than having two and helping to watch them overnight. Oh, now you have to watch five in which it went from two siblings uh, around you to five siblings around you in three years. She had a child every year Correct. for three years. Correct. Why? Um, so my mother remarried um, when I was in seventh or eighth grade. After you and your after next me two and my next two siblings, okay. she had been a single mom. Um, she and my father divorced when I was really young, three, three and a half, something like was that. Was he in the picture? Um, he was out of town. So he was a very good dad, but we only saw him summers and Christmases. So he wasn't really there um, in, in the early years. So um, my mom had been through three really rough marriages, very abusive men. And while you were while like... I was in the home. Yes. Okay. Um, and so you know, she was married and then not married and then married and then not married and because of abusive situations. And so I really, from a very young age, was had to kind of be the caretaker and protect my mom and protect my siblings and just very much felt a sense of responsibility to make sure everything was okay. And also had this um, in, inner strength, I, I don't know where I got, that just told me, I see what this type of lifestyle is, and I see what happens when you um, marry men who are abusive and not not good. And I made 
a decision from a very young age that I was going to do whatever I needed to do to be successful and to have financial freedom so that I did not depend on a man or anyone else to take care of me. And I think that's what kind of gave me my drive and determination to succeed later in the future. It's absolutely brilliant. So you have um, two two siblings and then three half siblings is what it is, right? Correct. On my mom's side, yes. And you had to, so you had three siblings. She She married again and then had three siblings in back to th- back to back in three years. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was? Um, because she and her husband wanted more children. Okay. <laughs> and you're, you're now the caretaker. So you, you just embrace that as best you could. Yeah, I think so. You know, um, she tried to, get by, you know, with him working and with her, she was a leasing agent. So we lived in section eight apartments. She was a leasing agent there. So there was a lot of, you know, rough things that went on in the complex anyway. So, you know, during, she tried to make it as normal of a childhood as possible, but there was just always so much turmoil. We were um, sometimes at relatives houses. We've literally spent nights in shelters. You know, there was just so much abuse between her and her last husband, um, that it, it never was really a choice for me to like embrace that. I'm going to help my mom with these kids. It was more, you know, she's at work during the day, um, periods that she'd leave, she'd have to work at night and I'd babysit the kids and, um, just really did the best to survive, to be honest with you, more than than a choice or um, recognition of what was happening at the time. So you had this drive and this determination and this desire for a better life. Yes. You saw I'm not going down that path. Uh, you're still a, a young a, a young child in your early teens, mm-hmm. right? What What happened when you were now inching towards young adulthood in your life? Sure. So when I was 15, I made the hardest decision to this day that I think I've ever had to make. And I moved in with my father. So I moved three hours away. I left my mom and my siblings. And I really was afraid that if I left, honestly, at that point, I thought my stepdad would kill my mom and my siblings. It was that bad. But I also knew that I had to think of myself as well. And that with my father and my stepmother, I would have stability and really be able to um, focus on what I needed to as a young adult, trying to make my own life in my own way. You were 15. I was 15 and, going into my sophomore year. And as we said, you were the the sibling caretaker. So obviously everyone, all five are younger. So yes. you're sort of, did you have a conversation with them? You know, it was so traumatic to be honest with you that I don't even remember. Um, I know my, my sister that was next youngest to me, two and a half years younger, she was devastated. Like she just was so upset that I was leaving. And my mother was so upset that I was leaving. Um, but my dad and my stepmom just really talked to me. I called them and asked if I could move in with them. And I had always wanted to do that. I just never felt like I had the freedom to do that because I felt responsibility for my mom and my siblings. And they really talked to me about the fact that I was a kid and that it wasn't my responsibility, and that I had to get out of that environment, um, and that they would help me through it. And so I just made the decision to do it. And it's a decision I felt very guilty about for a long time. Um, but things turned out okay. Let's let's talk about that. 
because I know the person listening, even in their adult current life, we can all relate to that story, whether we're 15, Mm -hmm. 25, or 55, Mm -hmm. where you feel a sense of responsibility. You know that it's not healthy for you. It's not what you want to be doing or should be doing, yet you remain in any, however that version plays out for you as a child or as a as an adult trying to better their lives. Yeah. What do we say to them? I say you, you know, you really have to take what life throws at you and then just do the best that you can to make the best decision you can. You know, there's really no one right answer. I think as a 15 year old, it was too heavy of a responsibility to put on my shoulders to, to even have to make those kind of decisions. But it helped me as an adult um, later in life to be able to say, um, in any difficult time, I have the ability to change things, and I have to figure out um, what is best for me and how I can be resilient and be strong and jump over whatever hurdles life throws at me and still come out okay. That's Really phenomenal. So applicable. So now you move in with your father and is it just a sense of relief? Do you feel that life is now beginning to turn around as you hoped? I did. You know, at that time, again, I was 15. So mm-hmm. I, my my glasses, what I call of the world, are not necessarily how I view things today. But I went from having, you know, a, a family unit that was in chaos, um, that didn't have money um, either to a family unit that was my father, my stepmother, myself, and one younger brother. He was very young, maybe two when I moved in. So I just had this for the first time in my entire life. I felt like I could just be a kid and kind of learn who I was. And I viewed them as very wealthy. Of course, they weren't. You know, he was in construction and she was a school teacher. But I felt like, wow, I have money and I don't have to figure out how to sell things and make things so that I can afford my own guest jeans or, you know, coach purse or a Coca-Cola jacket. Like I had to figure out how to pay for those things when I was younger. And for the first time when I moved in with them, it was like I didn't have responsibility. I was able to just learn how to be. And so it was it was very peaceful, but yet I had this, you know, this underlying guilt too. Jumping ahead some time, you had already made the conscious decision to never find yourself in that right. position. I'm sure many have made that declaration yet still fall short. That's not the case in your situation. What do you attribute to that? How did you not go down a wrong path, even with yeah. better intentions? I, I could have. And there were many opportunities where I had choices that I had to make where I, I caught myself maybe dating someone that I shouldn't date, you know, as a young girl and thinking, you know, I like these bad boys, but they're, they might be cute, but they don't treat me well, or they're, you know, they're a womanizer or this, this and that. So I, I knew that I needed to use my head more than I had to use my heart because my mom's, the way I viewed it as a teenager was my mom followed her heart and made unwise decisions. And so as much as I was an emotional person and want to follow my heart, and that's what people tell you, just follow your heart. The reality is your heart can get you in trouble. And so I learned how to use my head and I really focused on, is this a wise decision? And what will this decision look like in the future if I continue to date this person? Or if I continue to hang out with these friends 
Um, and my dad and my stepmom really helped me to think through the consequences of decisions and also to um, to give a lot of grace to my mom. So, I, you know, I, I struggled with this. How do I make a better life, uh, make better decisions, be gracious to myself when I mess up? Um, and I just always kind of had that that sense of I, I don't know what else to call it, but I just felt like I had I was graced and blessed to to be able to have some wisdom at a young age to be able to think through things and make better decisions. I was going to say so mature of you, <laughs> but it's almost like you were forced into that mature role as the caretaker, right? Right. As a young right. Age. And so I was just very driven. So like you know, forwarding to to future. Um, I graduated high school early with honors. I um, gr- I graduated college early while working full time. You know, I moved out because I thought, okay, now the world is mine. I'm I'm making money. I I don't have to live at home and be under rules. And you know, I was super independent. So I um, worked full time while I went to school at night full time. I my first job after I graduated, I went to work for Bank of America as um, a personal banker and got my securities licenses. I was the number one um, financial relationship manager in Texas my very first year, went to my next company, and I won employee of the year two years in a row. Like I was just going to be the best at everything that I did so that I knew I would be okay. In those early years when you transitioned over to your father's world, what became of the relationship between your mother and your siblings? Um, we are close today, but because I lived three hours away, um, you know, from 15 to 18, I was a kid and really just, um, wasn't real involved in there, um, because of the distance. And after that, you know, every time when I was on my own, every time I had a chance, I would drive, you know, three hours away to see my, my mom and my siblings. She finally left the last abusive husband. Um, but you know, I, my mom still didn't have very much. She was still living in section eight housing and still on, you know, assistance while she was working. Um, but she just had more, you know, financial strain than what she could pay for. So I'd go and, you know, take them school shopping and still continue to try to be a a caretaker, but it took a long time for me to, to realize that, um, I could be a good sister without being fully responsible for, for them and what happened with their lives. What a relief, huh? somewhat, I still had some guilt and thinking I was selfish. You know, you always struggle with when you, when you love people and you want to help them realizing that you can't help everybody and realizing that you also have to help yourself. It's a strong bat, you know, it's, it's a struggle and it's a pool and you, you know, you feel guilty for doing things for yourself and not doing things for others, but you realize you can only do so much too. Yeah. I totally relate to that. I've, I've spent so much of my life in that world and regard. And mm-hmm. I had an ex that when we split, I still felt, well, I, I, you know, I have to care for her. She can't care for herself. I must, you right, know, I'm right. the, and it just, it just ate at me for so long. And that because I was living in such an unhealthy state for mm-hmm. decades, really, mm-hmm. um, which attracted that. And then which, right. you know, kept those feelings alive. But now that I'm much more healthy and on that path, I realize that, Everybody's responsible for their own experience. Right. And we do with good intention what we can and what we want. And, right. And there goes life. Right. Right. Yeah. 
uh, I love that you brought up a little bit ago that you, in some relationships, you attributed it where you had to, instead of thinking with your heart, you, you knew you had to think with your head. Again, something so applicable to the person listening, even in their life or business today. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that difference, head versus heart, as it pertains to success in business. It's something that I've still struggled with getting right. I've just learned to give myself grace when I get it wrong. So for example, you know, I was very driven before I had my kid, my first kid. And so it was all, you know, drive, 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 drive. I'm going to be successful, going to be financially free, going to be home with my kids. So my heart was still to be that protector and nurturer and be home with my kids. And I really wanted that more than, than drive and money. Um, but I was thrust into a situation. My husband was a um, had just graduated chiropractic college when we got married, and he was a chiropractor. But when they first come out of school, they've got six-figure school loans. They don't make any money, and it's hard for them to keep jobs because they're basically hired in the beginning to be a marketing person. So you go to a mall, and you ask people to survey you and scan their back, and you try to grow patients. Well, he wanted to be a doctor. He didn't want to be a marketing person and a salesperson and whatever. So When we had my first baby, he was working but not making very much money, and I I could not stay home with my kids because he didn't make enough money for us to even pay for our school loan, you know, and our vehicles. So I had to work. And so this um, desire to be home with my son was so strong, and my heart just wanted that, and I didn't care about the money anymore. I wanted to be financially wise, but I didn't, I didn't care as much about riches and growth and all of that as I did about being a mom. And so over the next several years, the reason I got into real estate was the idea that I could replace my income in some way with real estate and be home quickly and um, starting a business. My husband started a chiropractic business. We moved from Texas, fast forward a few years um, when my son was three, to start his business thinking, oh, when he grows his business, he won't be laid off anymore. He'll work for himself and I can be home with my kids and we'll be fine. So I, I made wise financial decisions to reduce our living expenses so that I could be home with my son as quickly as possible while helping my husband build a business. So we house hacked, we sold everything we had in Texas, we moved into a little tiny four unit apartment building, um, where we inherited tenants. And we did that very strategically just to help cover our expenses. We bought my husband's practice and had tenants there. And we did that strategically just to have our expenses covered. And, um, kind of took a step back from what we knew was, you know, the fastest trajectory to financial independence, just so that I could um, have our finances protected and be cautious, but yet be close to being home with my kids. And I was able to work from home. So my company, when I moved to PA, allowed me to work from home on a trial basis, and it turned into full-time work from home. So I was very blessed to kind of have the best of both worlds. But getting back to your question about heart and, and mind, you know, my heart was just, I want to be home. But because of different things that happen in the economy and with my husband's business, and we built in 07, the economy crashed in 08, 09. Healthcare went down. I worked for AIG. I almost lost my job like five times, lost almost all of my retirement funds. And so I'm like, here I am. All I want to do is be home with my kid. I've done everything I knew to do financially wise to set ourselves up for success. All of it's coming crashing down. What in the world am I going to do? And so um, 
it's taken all these years. Really, the reason I got into real estate was to realize that there's cash flow in it. And if I can figure out a way to keep buying them, even though I have no money and literally negative $700,000 in debt to start the business, um, if I could figure out a way to get more real estate and have more cash flow, then even if my husband's business never bounces back, eventually I'm going to get home with my babies. So it was following my heart to be home with my kids that made me start making really good financially wise decisions to create cash flow to enable me to do what my heart wanted to do. So much emotion in that story. I can only imagine that for for anybody not in your specific upbringing of a situation, that uh, sense of losing it all mm -hmm. uh, could be devastating. Mm -hmm. But even now tying it back to your memories of, oh my goodness, Section 8, Section 8 housing, everything. I've This is what I, I, was there that constant battle? Yes. Like I just can't get ahead. Like this is what my life is going to be. I knew I was blessed. I knew, you know, at least I haven't lost my job yet and at least we can meet our needs. But the thought that I would be financially independent so that I could be a stay-at-home mom and and have better for my kids and build better for my kids, it was shot down so many times despite my best planning that I had many moments of just wanting to give up. Like, I guess this is what I'm resigned to. But I just kept mustering up, no, I'm not going to give up. I can succeed. I am going to keep going and the economy will change and we just got to get through it and count my blessings. At least I can work from home and see them over lunch. You know, my mother-in-law watched the kids so I could go over at lunchtime and see them. And so I just tried to stay positive and do the best I could to just keep growing, knowing that one day I would get there because I just flat out would not give up. That's all part of the, that's when you were on that 16 year path, yeah. right? Yeah. And when did you have less of those feelings and a, a feeling of, OMG, this is happening? <laughs> so five years ago, AIG, I could not believe that I had not yet lost my job because AIG was, you know, in big trouble at the time. And every division was having layoffs. But I, what I did was so sophisticated and hard to teach and we couldn't be bought because we were too complicated. We worked with offshore hedge funds and private placement investments and SEC audits. And I handled all of this as the sole um, senior project manager, and and I handled audits and and all of this stuff and product development that it kind of protected my job. So five years in, I thought, well, I've I've weathered this storm. If I get laid off, I didn't look for another job because I knew I had it pretty good working from home and I had a six figure income, which would be hard to duplicate in rural Pennsylvania. But because I worked for a big you know international company, um, I knew that if I just needed to stick with it. And I, if I got laid off, I'd get a severance package. But I knew if I get laid off, even if I have a severance package, I won't have an, I won't be able to make the same money. And my husband still wasn't bringing any money. It was all going right back in to cover all of the debt we had started with. So at that point, I knew banks would not lend to me. I had 12 units at that point from when we house hacked. And right after the, the collapse, I had pulled 401k money to buy one more four unit. So I had had 12 units for about seven years. And five years ago, 
I knew I was going to lose my job. Like they're like, we're being sold. You're finally being sold. Everybody should start putting your feelers out and looking for a job. And I thought, I can't find another job, but I'm going to just keep going back to those banks that have told me no, because I wanted to keep buying rental property. And for four years, the bank said no, I was way too risky. They knew who I worked for. They knew my husband's debt. So I went to a meetup group and I just decided I need to find someone that'll sell me a building on seller financing. I had studied seller financing, creative um, purchasing without money. I didn't have any money and I didn't have any time. And um, someone stood up and wanted to sell a building. And I said, would you be interested in seller financing? Let me tell you all the ways that it can benefit you. And he's like, sure, let's, let's meet at the property tomorrow. We walked a property. We went to coffee. I told him what I was trying to do. I was trying to build up real estate to be home with my kids. And he's like, I'd really love to help you. And yes, you're so smart and you've got all this stuff. And I think that would help me defer my capital gains. Let's do a deal. And when I had that first deal done with four unit building where I didn't need the banks, I had someone that was willing to take a risk on me. And I was able to make that very profitable because I knew I could turn the three unit building into a four unit building. It gave me the confidence to try to build without the banks. A month later, I approached another retiring landlord of another four unit building. And I said, hey, let me tell you the benefits of seller financing. And lo and behold, he said, yeah, I'll do it. And it gave me the confidence after doing two that I can figure out a way to get this done, even if the banks say no. And once I had those two other properties, then the banks were like, wow, you've really grown. Sure, we're willing to let you borrow the equity from the buildings that you already have, because we had made them much nicer and we had made them worth a lot more. And once I had that equity and I had confidence to do creative financing, I knew I could create a five-year plan to buy 12 units a year that would allow me to replace at least $120,000 a year passively. And that was what I did. I just executed the plan, working full-time around the clock, around my job and around my kids and my husband's business until I had enough to be able to retire. Extraordinary. Really <laughs> extraordinary. We can dive into so many points of that. But before we part, I want to hear the story. Who's Kyle Wilson? So Kyle Wilson is an amazing connector, promoter, marketer, businessman. He was Jim Rohn's business partner for 18 years. Oh, say that uh, again. He was Jim Rohn's partner. So he's been around, you know, Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins guru, his yeah. mentor. So he's been around personal development and people that have, have been really wise in that area for a long time. Um, I was blessed to meet him about a year ago. Meet who? Uh, Kyle Wilson. Okay told him my story and my background, and he invited me into a book that he was publishing called Resilience, Turning Your Setback into a Comeback. It was became an Amazon number one bestseller, and he is now one of my mentors. So I'm in a business mastermind with him for entrepreneurs. And, um, and really, since I've connected with him, he gave me the confidence with other entrepreneurs to look at myself not only as an investor, but as an entrepreneur and to start really treating my real estate as a business and having the confidence that I could actually retire and, and be successful on a much larger scale. So he's, he's a friend and someone I'm very thankful for. We hear that term in the entrepreneurial circle, mastermind, mm -hmm. often. Um, what, has it, what has it really afforded you? It's really afforded me um, 
being introspective. I never really thought about my backstory that we talked about today until he invited me to be a part of the book and said, what's made you so strong and resilient? And I said, I don't know. Mm. And I didn't really think I had much of a story. And he's like, your story is amazing. You need to share it. So it helped me to peel back the onion and kind of see, wow, you know, I really have done a lot. I really have done something kind of extraordinary. How can I use that to help other people? And how can I use that to give me the confidence that I can actually retire and actually grow and scale my multi-million dollar real estate business to the next level? Um, And it just, it's given me confidence um, and wisdom from other people who were entrepreneurs that have had it all, lost it all, had ups and downs, and they still turned out okay. And I thought through all I've been through, through all I've I've been able to accomplish through that, I need to have the confidence in myself that I can cut the lifeboat of my job, which I've always wanted to do, but then I was suddenly scared to do it because it was what protected us financially, and I didn't want to lose it all again. And it gave me the confidence to say I'm going to take a risk on myself, and I'm going to have confidence in myself that I can continue this growth, um, that I have enough for financial freedom, and that even if I didn't succeed at a higher level, we had enough and I could be content. Um, but that I wasn't done with my story yet. So many people, myself included, will grow up even with that goal, as you put in, like, this is, I'm never going to be in this situation as an adult. I'm going for better, for more, but still might find ourselves, present company included, (laughs) uh, as an adult sabotaging and really feeling still unworthy of Mm. that and doing Mm -hmm. everything. What do you think accounted for your opposing wonderful force? I think two things. I, from the time I was very little, as hard as certain things was, I had a strong faith. And I really believed that if I did things the right way, and I was good to people, and I made wise choices, that God would work it all out for my best. And so in the times that I struggled and the times that I felt unworthy or incapable, I just had this inner faith that everything would be okay. Wrapping up the conversation here, what is it that we've been saying this whole conversation to the listener taking notes and wanting to apply something? What are we really saying? I think, you know, life is really what we make of it. And no matter what happens in life, you have a choice of taking the bull by the horns and creating a life by design. Um, and that we just have to have faith and confidence and develop true strength of character and grit to be able to take on any hurdle and to just put one foot in the front of the other to continue to reach for our dreams and to not give up our vision, but to figure out a different way to get there and just trust the process that that there's so much ahead of you in the future. You know, I'm 44 and part of me thinks, wow, this took forever to get to this place. But I've bought myself 21 years of retirement compared to the average American. So I'm so blessed and thankful kind of that I did it the hard way because it forced me to end up being successful. And now I look at life as, um, as you know, I have a long time left and there is no one right answer. So create the life that you want. You know, if you've made mistakes in the past or you've had hurdles, just move on, put one step in front of the other and figure out how to change it today. Do you feel that everything happens for a reason? Yes. Especially with your upbringing? A hundred percent. Tell me about that. So 
It's funny you asked me that. I was just thinking um, this last week I had an opportunity. I was telling you that my faith was very important to me and giving back to other women um, and teaching them how to make wise financial choices. My whole REI mom brand really comes from that heart of wanting to help other young girls and other moms to know that they can take control of their finances and that they can do better. And now I'm investing in very large apartment complexes where we have people that we want to be able to pour into their lives and send mentorship programs in and send churches in that can help them with their homework and with backpacks and school supplies. And I now have the financial means to be able to go back to these kind of apartment complexes with kids that are in situations that I was in and say, I've been where you are and let me show you that life is going to be okay, that there's people that care about you and that you can make better financial decisions that can truly change your trajectory and your future but to be able to give hope for youth and women who were in my situation and my mom's situation, that life can be better. And so if I hadn't gone through all the things that I did, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be this multimillionaire now being able to invest in apartment buildings and invest in the lives of other people. And now it's not just a, a checklist. It's really where my heart is. And so I just am so blessed and thankful for all I went through and how it's made me a better person and going to ha- let me have a much bigger impact on other people's lives, you know, going forward. Powerful. I will leave you with this final question. Anna Kelly, how would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as someone who loves God, loves people, uses money and never gives up. There you go. Amazing, extraordinary person. Thank you, Anna, for joining us, for coming on, for opening up as you did. Thank you really so much. Really a pleasure to hear this story. Thank you so much. It's been my honor. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.